Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, my friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. So glad you joined us. Hope you're having a great day already and glad that you tuned in. We are in Jeremiah chapter 3 in our Bibles, and Lord willing, we'll finish this chapter today. It's been a chapter full of some pretty negative thoughts, uh, dealing with sin, dealing with the true nature of sin, that, that sin at its essence is spiritual adultery, that sin at its essence is the abrogation of the relationship that we have with God, and yet God loves us, and God calls us to turn back. A backsliding is a turning away, and repentance is a turning toward, and God gives us that opportunity when he says, turn, turn to me, turn to me, and when we draw nigh to God, he draws nigh to us. And he puts in our life people and a possibility, pastors uh, that shepherd us and help us along the way. And uh, our job is to, to see it, to agree with God. That's 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. And when we turn back to God, uh, God restores us to a relationship with himself. Uh, Jeremiah used a, a future prophecy to talk about that. There will come a day when all of this will take place nationally. Now, it can take place today individually, but there's coming a day when nationally God's going to return, uh, reunite Israel and Judah together. He's, his people will again serve him. He will rule and reign from Jerusalem. The Ark of the Covenant will no longer be necessary. Jesus will rule from the throne of Jerusalem and all nations and that's just not just Israel, but all the nations of the world will gather there unto the name of God. And Jesus Christ will be the at the epicenter uh, of all that's good and holy and right uh, for those 1,000 years. What a great, encouraging prophecy that is. Today we're in verse number 20 uh, of our text. And, and watch what the Bible says. Surely... As a wife treacherously departeth from her husband. So in this case, it's talking about a wife who just for no good reason leaves a very faithful and loving husband. That's why the word treacherously is the adverb here. Treacherously departeth from her husband. So have ye dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel, saith the Lord. So, Jeremiah's made his point about the future restoration of Israel. He's used those illustrations. Now he comes back to the sin at hand. And remember, the sin of the nation was the sin of spiritual adultery. And God said, this is the way you have treated me. And can I just say that God takes sin personally? You read that passage in Numbers chapter 15 about how God describes presumptuous sin. The word presumption means to sin with a high hand. It's almost as if to say, sinning by shaking my fist at God. 
That's a pretty serious charge, is it not? Look at verse number 21. A voice was heard upon the high places, weeping and supplications of the children of Israel, for they have perverted their way and they have forgotten the Lord their God. So there's the, the, the charge. The charge is spiritual adultery in verse number 20. But verse 21, there's their repentance. The Bible says a voice was heard upon the high places, weeping and supplications of the children of Israel. So what are the high places? The high places are the places of false worship, the place where they worship Baal, the place where they worship Ashtaroth, the place where they committed the heinous sins, often involving the ritual prostitution and the just the debaucherous things that they did. And yet the Bible's teaching here, but they're repenting. They, they've, they've gone the way of Baal. They've gone the way of false religion. They've gone the way of their own choice and they've, let, they've been found empty. And that's what sin always does, by the way. It leaves us empty. And so in these high places, in these barren places, what are the people doing? They're weeping. Weeping for a number of reasons. Weeping because sin does not satisfy. Weeping because their hopes have been dashed. Weeping because they realize that they have traded in the good life of following God for the unsatisfying life of chasing idols. Weeping. And supplications. Supplications that refers to they're asking, they're begging God. There, there's a, a plea for forgiveness. So weeping and supplications of the children of Israel, for they have perverted their ways. Lord, we, we've messed our lives up. And we, we've, we've taken the path that you've given us and we've made it crooked. We've walked down these detours. We've gotten off the wrong exit. We've stopped at the wrong mile markers. Lord, we're wrong. We're sorry. And they have forgotten the Lord their God. What a, what a description of sin. A, a, a description of sin is really the fact that we forget God. Now, God is everywhere present. God is an ever-present help in time of need. And yet the Bible says that in, descri in describing sinners, Romans chapter 3, that there is no fear of God before their eyes. And what happens is we, we get to the place in our life where we just choose to believe that God's not there. That's why when we truly practice the presence of God in our life, when we keep him in the forefront of our memory, that becomes a great incentive for righteousness. I don't want to sin in front of God. I don't want to sin. I don't want, I don't want to drag God into my bad choices. And yet that's exactly what we do when we sin because we're always in the presence of God. He's always watching. And the Bible says that when we sin, we're living really in a state of forgetting God, not keeping him always in the forefront of our thinking. Look at verse number 22, return. We've seen this several times in this passage, haven't we? Return. Earlier we saw the word turn. Now it's return. Turn back to God. Return, ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. I, I love the verbiage there. I will heal. I will heal. You know why? Because backsliding 
is to our spirit what a wound is to our flesh. It needs healing. It's like an open wound that's going to destroy us. Left unattended will bleed us out. And God said, you come back to me. I will be the physician. I will heal. I will do the work. Your job is not to make it happen. Your job is not to restore yourself. Your job is to recognize, turn to me. I will do the work. That's the way it always works. I will heal your backslidings. Behold, pay special, careful attention to this. That's what that word means. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. So when we get right with God, it's not necessarily a return to church or a return to holiness or a return to even the Bible or a return to, in that sense, our prayer closet or a return to some activity like tithing or whatever. No, no th- those things are all part of maybe the, the, the outworking of returning. But no, well, when we return, we return to God. The nature of repentance is always Godward. Verse number 23, truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills and from the multitude of mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. So what happens when we truly repent is we recognize that nothing else can help us. No, we went the way of the world. We went the way of our own thinking and secular humanism or whatever that salve for our conscience was or whatever that addictive behavior was. We, we, we thought we had the answer in this or that, but we realized th- th- it was all vanity. And we realized that the only hope was in Christ alone. Sometimes that's why it's good when we come to the end of ourselves when we see the total folly of our sinful choices, because it makes us realize that there is hope in only one source, and that one source is the Lord. Verse number 24, for shame, shame hath devoured the labor of our fathers from our youth, their flocks, their herds, their sons, and their daughters. Jeremiah is saying, we've seen this. We've seen a whole generation destroyed because of it. We've seen it in front of our very eyes. We've seen the object lessons. We lie down in our shame. Our confusion covereth us, for we have sinned against the Lord our God, we and our fathers from our youth even unto this day, and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. Wow. What a corporate prayer. We're ashamed of ourselves. We lie down in shame. We have no excuse. We've been involved in this sin for a really long time. And God, we're sorry. I wonder maybe if that's not you. If that can't be us sometimes. And that's all that sin ultimately brings. Despair, shame. When we revisit what we've done, we look at our lives We see the wasted years. We see the bad choices, the wrong priorities. We just say, man, what a waste. What a waste. And yet, what a God that's willing to take us back. So I hope that helps today. I really do. 
I know that uh, we've taken a little bit extra of time in this this chapter, but what an important chapter for us to consider. Backsliding. Backsliding children can always turn back to God, and God can do a work of healing that nobody else can do. Hope that helps. Hope you have a great day today in the Lord. Looking forward to jumping into a brand new chapter next episode. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.